Welcome to Conscious Nigeria, the podcast where we tell you about Nigeria's history. I am Cecilia and here with me is Nelson. If you're new to the podcast, we explore Nigeria's affairs with the hope of triggering national consciousness amongst Nigerians. You are damn right. So today we would like to explore the major events that have shaped the current socioeconomic position of Nigeria. Well, hold on a minute. Let's see if our listeners can answer the following questions. Well, question one, what year was the amalgamation of Lagos Colony and the Southern Protectorate? Hint, it wasn't 1914 anyways. Question two, what relatively modern technology did the not culture possess as far back as 2000 years ago? Question three, from what river did Nigeria get its name? Well, if you can't answer these questions, you probably missed our previous episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a very enlightening episode, I must say. Even well, I learned a few new things. Yeah. Well, don't worry, my people. You won't miss out on this one from this one. We're happy to provide you with the answers at the end of this episode. Well, have you ever wondered how it would have worked out if Nigeria made an alternative decision on some crucial turning points in its history? Well, I think that's an interesting question because I'm of the opinion that Nigeria could have turned out so much better if certain events had played out a little bit differently. So can we say that nations are the product of the past decisions of their citizens, just like our decisions shape our lives? Well, of course, because nations sum up the outcome of the decisions of all its stakeholders. And any thriving nation, it's not built by chance. It's through the execution of well-thought-out road plans. Okay, let me let me ask you a quick one. How do you think Nigeria would have evolved if there were no military coups during its early stage of development? Mm, it's probably, well, probably would have continued developing along the path of regional governments with each region taking comparative advantage of its resources and the overall interests of the country. I mean, our democracy would have had, uh, would have progressed without military hangover. Exactly. The rentier state that Nigeria has become may have not happened under such a system. Now, let's go back to the matter. The First Republic, with all its political problems, was managed by a lot of people who arguably had some element of national consciousness and who knew what the heck they were doing with regards to national economic capacity building. Take, for example, the First National Development Plan, FNDP. You should remember FNDP because we would say this often in the podcast today. Oh, yeah. Right? So FNDP happened in 1962 and it was targeted towards making Nigeria wealthier and more self-sufficient. This was designed to run for six years from 1962 to 1968. The government planned to invest a lot into agriculture, industry and education. Therefore, greater emphasis was placed on the development of manufacturing and industry in the 60s. Nigeria's economy grew at a steady rate between 1960 and 1966 under the FNDP and other regional development initiatives. This economic growth prospect gave many commentators the hope that Nigeria was on the track towards achieving an economic independence. Unfortunately, the military coup of 1966 and other subsequent political developments brought an abrupt end to its inclusive economic development trajectory. But uh, Cecilia, what happened to the objectives of the FNDP? Were they ever achieved? Well, the first national plan crumbled with the collapse of the First Republic. Well, since then, successive governments have had various versions of their national development plans. Now, you should listen well for this. 
There was a second national plan from 1970 to 1964. There was a third national plan from 1975 to 1980. Now, there was even a fourth national plan from 1981 to 1985. Like, I'm done. Like, should, like I should just leave right now. Like, I don't do it again. <laughs> now, you would think that was even the end. Mm-mm, it wasn't. So various development plans have also been tried in recent times, such as the Structural Adjustment Program, the SAP, there was Vision 2010. There was the National Economic Empowerment and Development Strategy needs. There was the seven-point agenda. There was there is was Vision 2020. <laughs> is Vision right. it's still in 2020, right? <laughs> so there's a transformation agenda and the present administration's change and next level mantra. We would explore the intentions of these plans, their successes and failures in the subsequent episode. Well, another crucial turning point in Nigeria's history was the discovery of oil and gas and its exploration. But uh, Cecilia, how would you appraise the role that oil exploration has had on the Nigerian economy and politics? I mean, the discovery of oil and gas in commercial quantities at Oloibiri in Bayosa State in 1956 and the accompanying huge revenue generated from oil exploration in the late 1960s also presented Nigeria with another opportunity to better the life and livelihoods of its citizens. Well, the present situation in Nigeria speaks for itself. I mean, the oil revenue has rather disconnected the government from the government as the government no longer heavily relied on its citizens for revenue, but instead they rely on oil companies now. You are very correct. For example, 82% of Nigerian government revenue came from petroleum industry in 1974. The overdependence of the economy on oil and gas put Nigeria along the path of a mono-economy from which it has really not recovered till date. Over-reliance on petroleum as a source of revenue generation to power Nigeria's economy led to the neglect of other sectors that are necessary for a stable and balanced economy. The decline in the Nigerian agricultural sector began during the oil boom, and it diminished the importance of previous major players, such as cocoa, granite, cotton, and palm oil. But come to think of it, Nigeria has not been able to harness its diverse national culture and identity to its fullest potential. Mm-mm. I mean, according to a study by Mukhtar Imam of uh, the Department of Political Sciences and International Relations at the University of Abuja, uh, it was published in the International Journal of Social Sciences and Humanities Invention. Uh, Nigeria has more than 374 ethnic nations. That's huge. Yeah, and this by extension makes Nigeria one of the most ethnically diverse countries on the face of the earth. And this diversity, it could be a force for good or evil, depending on how it's utilized. I mean, at independence, the failure to define our national identity as one Nigeria has continued to plague the country till date. No prosperous nation can be built in an atmosphere of ethnic bigotry or distrust. A continuous definition of our national consciousness along religious and ethnic lines will only make things worse. And the day we come together to define who we are as a nation and how to relate with each other in a progressive manner, that will be the day Nigeria begins its journey towards greatness. 
I really think the solution to Nigeria's political and economic problems cannot be preferred without a good understanding of its political culture. You know, political culture can be imagined as the political personality of a nation. So over the years, Nigeria's political actors have adopted identity politics as a tool to divide electorates and win elections. This form of politics prioritizes ethnicity and religion over merit to perform the task of governance. Political actors in this system give material goods in return for electoral support. This we know as vote buying. Such voting patterns result in the distribution of state wealth to only their supporters. This system has served Nigerian politicians over the years and it has resulted in the destruction of the core fabric of our national identity as politicians largely count on dividing ethnic groups for political gains. And sadly enough, we've succeeded in building strong men instead of strong institutions in the country over the years. To ensure the administration of fairness and justice to all the groups that make up Nigeria, we need a system of governance that works by clear and documented rules and regulations. This will enable the enforcement of justice without perceived victimization by some interest groups. Yeah, you see, the problem with building a nation of strong men can be likened to being human. Humans are subjective because we have emotions. For instance, the heads of the Nigerian Anti-Graft Agency, EFCC, has always had one problem or the other after their term of office, starting from the era of its pioneering chairman, Mr. Nuhuri Badu. This may not necessarily be the problem of the individuals occupying the office, but the subjective nature of how the administration of the agency is exercised. Heading an anti-graft agency requires clear rules of operation that, if not properly adhered to, could be used as a loophole to bring down the head of such agency because corruption will always fight back when threatened. Well, this is the end of our podcast today. In our next episode, we'll talk about how we could retrace our path towards building a united nation that works for all of us. Nigeria is the only country we have, and if we are to live in one united Nigeria, the ideas, contributions, and labor of all its citizens from the north to the south, the east to the west, should be consciously harnessed. But before we leave, Cecilia, can you reiterate what we learned today? Sure. We learned that nations are the outcome of the actions of its stakeholders. This basically means that Nigeria's political and economic standing today resulted from actions and inactions of its leaders, citizens, and external forces who have had a say in its history. Well, secondly, we learned that the first national development plan, which kicked off in 1962, was designed to run for six years and make Nigerians self-sufficient. Unfortunately, the implementation was truncated by the military coup of 1966. Now, we also learned that subsequent national plans were attempted, some of which were the Structural Adjustment Program, SAP, Vision 2010, National Economic Empowerment and Development Strategy Needs, Seven Points Agenda, Vision 2020, Transformation Agenda, and the present administration's change and next level mantra. Well, lastly, we learned that the 1960s witnessed a boom in revenue from oil and gas exploration after its discovery in Oloibiri in 1956. This led to the decline in the agricultural sector. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on our social media platforms. We are on Instagram and on Twitter at conscious underscore ng. That's C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S underscore ng. You can also find us on Facebook 
at Conscious Nigeria, and you can find us on Naira Land at Conscious NG. Please join us next week for another exciting podcast. Bye.